Week 9 is in the books. Penn State improves to 6-2, and two, and we have a mega episode for you. We've got an Iowa recap plus a Michigan preview. Whole lot to talk about. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. It is October 31st, Halloween. Uh, well, I guess technically November 1st because we are recording after midnight. But as always, my name is Chris. I'm your host, joined by my co-host, Pat. Pat, how you doing, man? Doing well. Um, I want to say hi to all, all my TDX bros out there on our founding day of Halloween. Interesting. Founded on Halloween. That's yes. pretty cool. It's my dad's birthday, too. So shout out to dad. Oh, Shout out to yeah. TDX. This is a pretty momentous day. Absolutely. And we've got, a, you know, I would say a pretty happy podcast. Yeah, pretty good one. So Penn State comes out with a Five. win, 30-24 over Iowa. We improved to 6-2, and two, and uh, we are getting ready for a pretty big road matchup against Michigan. So we got a special episode this week. Since it is already Thursday by the time you're listening to this, uh, we're going to do an Iowa recap and a Michigan preview all in one episode. So pretty jam-packed here. Um, so I think we just get right into it. This is this is a game. Um, the, the, the scoreboard shows it very tight. Yes, it came down to another sweated-out last drive, but I feel better about this one than I did about Indiana. What are your What are your overall thoughts? And then we'll get into some of our awards and normal categories. Absolutely, and I mean, especially because I was a better team. You know, so you, you have to. I'm okay with winning a tight game against, you know, a pretty well-ranked team. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point, right? We were 17, Iowa was 18. Um, and like I said, there are some mistakes that we'll get to that, that made this score a lot closer than it should be. But uh, And they're probably going to close out the season as a ranked team, you know, as, as long as things don't go totally awry for them. And our big criticism from all our fans is that we can't seem to win the big ones when they're close. Well, we just did. Let's be happy yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's get into it. Normally what we do is we start with our awards, our lion and our lamb, most valuable and least valuable player of the week. But I think this week we got to start with one other thing because um, it, it's a big one on my mind. And it is our leader, our quarterback, number nine, the man born Richard Thomas McSorley III, affectionately known as Trace. Uh, I, actually, I actually didn't know that was his name, so spoiler alert. Um Man, that was a scary one to see him go down like that. Uh, and mid-second quarter, goes down, looks like a pretty brutal knee injury. Um, I remember being in the bar, kind of just, I saw him grab the back of his knee, and I was trying to kind of just put the vibe out there. I was like, oh, maybe it's just a hamstring. Maybe it's just a hamstring, kind of, you know, hoping it wasn't the worst, wasn't an ACL. But um, it was a scary moment, I think, for, for all Penn State fans, for, for Trace himself, for his parents and his family that were there. Uh, it looked pretty ugly. And then, what do you know, the, the guy comes back into the game and rips off a 51-yard rushing touchdown right after the, the commentator says that he won't be able to run anymore. So um, I think, I mean, I just, I, I could give this guy every award. He could be in part of our good section, but I think we just need to talk about him at the top. This guy's a warrior. He is, he is tough as nails. Whether he'll be full strength this week, I have no idea, but um, it was just so amazing to see him kind of fight through that, support Tommy when Tommy got in there, and, and get back and 
Yeah, he had the interception, and we'll talk about that too. But for the most part, I mean, this guy just fought through what looked like a pretty bad injury and, and leads us to victory. Yeah, I mean, you saw exactly why we love him so much. Just gutted out a win in a tough game where he gets hurt, where it, you know everything is going right for him or the team, but he guts out a win like the like just the guy that we knew who he was. Yeah, exactly. And I mean the the moment with him and his dad, his dad hanging over kind of the rail to talk to him oh, was just yeah. was awesome. Uh, Todd McShay interviewed him on the field afterwards, and he was getting choked up talking about how his dad's been his rock. And it's just it's one of those things we talked about it with Saquon a lot where. For Saquon's physical gifts on the field, like we didn't realize what we had until we lost him. I, I think that's kind of the same thing with Trace. Like, yes, we all know like he's a better quarterback than maybe the stats show, and he can change a game with his legs and he can do this. But just what this guy has been as a leader, as the face of this team for the last couple of years, like I got full faith in Tommy as a quarterback. I got full faith in Sean as a quarterback. But man, this guy, this guy's heart and soul of the team. And, and I just, I hope he's okay to finish out his senior year and kind of, you know, leave his mark. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. So, uh, all that being said, let's get into our awards. We've got our lion and our lamb again, most valuable, least valuable. Um, I had a few different guys for lion this week, so I'm interested to see who you went with lamb. I think was a little bit easier, but hit the, hit the people with your lion for this week. I know you're going to be bummed because uh, he's your man, but I'm going with Yeter Gross. Damn it. Yep, that was my pick. <laughs> as my lion. The, oh, just what a friggin' game this guy had. I mean, he is such a huge part of why we won this game. It's undeniable. I mean, and with some of the struggles our defensive line has had, I mean, just, just there was so much more to his performance than just the stats show, and the stats were amazing. Uh, but the points he saved, the the drives he killed, you know, the way he helped us win this game and the way he, I think, potentially is setting the tone for, the, you know, closing out this season is just, you know, you're, you're a lion. Yeah, absolutely. So his, his final stat sheet, nine tackles, four of them for loss, including two sacks. He was the Big Ten defensive player of the week. Um I mean, nine tackles as a defensive lineman. Is it's, it's incredible, right? And, and you know, um, you, you said it in the moments that he came up to kind of, you know, make those sacks when he did. Tackles for loss when, you know, we're, we're trying to shut down the run game and it's a running back in the backfield that he just drops. Um, really incredible. Uh, and, and the best part about this is he's a true sophomore. Like, we have him for at least one more year, and this kid is just going to get better and better. Um, one of my bold predictions before the season was that he would lead the team in sacks. And right now he does. He's got six on the season followed by Shaka who has five, four of them coming in that one game. And then uh, Sharif who has four. So um, yeah, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm in love with this guy. He, he is my boy. He was going to be my pick of course, but uh, I think he sets the tone, um, you know, with the conversations about Sharif possibly going to the NFL after the season, uh, the future, the future is bright with, with Eater anchoring that defensive line. So Ito Gross Matos, Wild Dog, you are a lion this week. Um, okay, my guy, uh, this, the, he made me eat my words. It's going to be Jake Penninger, uh, the, the kicker who I, mm-hmm. after the Michigan State game, claimed could not be our guy right now, and we had to go with someone else. Guy comes in, and all he does is go three for three with three field goals over 44 yards. Um, and he made him look, made him look easy. Uh, you know, it was, it was 
he had the distance on all of them and, and none of them really scared me. They were pretty much right down Broadway. All three of them, I think it was a 44, a 46 or seven and then a 49er. Um, the kid's got a leg and, and it was nice to see him be very accurate in big situations, right? The, the first one was to tie the game. Uh, another one was to take the lead, I believe. And these are ones where if we miss, we're looking back and saying, hell, that could have been the reason we lost the game. So, um, Jake Pinnaker, good looking dude, by the way, didn't know what he looked like before this game, but, uh, yeah, and handsome man kicking with just pure swagger and confidence. I need that to continue for the rest of the season um, because if it does, right, and and we've talked about this, he is a true freshman kicker. You're bound to have misses, and guess what? We're going to bash you when you do because that's what fans do <laughs> with kickers. Um, but I hope, I hope he makes me look like an idiot and is this good for the rest of the way because it was fun to see the confidence that Franklin had in him to put him out there for a 47, a 49 yarder and say, yep, he's, he's going to nail this. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, this is the best I felt about him all season. And like you said, making us eat our words for a lot of the shit we've been giving him. And I, I love the fact that he is making us. Eat yeah, our words, absolutely. You know? And that's, that's what you want out of a kicker, right? Because a lot of times kickers can go one, two ways. You, <laughs> you get rattled and you get in your head and you just can never find it again. Or, you put the time in, you get the focus, and, and you turn it around. And, and I think this this game, if we look back at this on the end of the season, this game I think will be his turning point where we look back and say, yeah, you know, at that Iowa game, he kind of got things figured out, and he was pretty reliable for the rest of the year. Uh-huh. All right, so with that, we flip to our Lamb, least valuable player of the week. And, I, yeah, again, it was a close game, but I didn't have a lot of candidates. I didn't think there were that many poor performances, but I'm interested to see what you came up with here. Who was your Lamb for this week? And it's got to be the punt yep. team. Yep. You know? Part of the reason the game was as close as it was, this is a 10-point game if we don't give up two safeties. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on this. I, I had the same thing written down. It's Gilligan and Vasey. Uh, so the first safety, it, it's, on, it's on Gilligan, right? It's, you know, it's, it's rainy. The snap was good. It hit him in the hands, and he, and he just dropped it. So, I mean, that happens. Um, but the tough part is you, you have a tough decision to make in that moment, right? You drop the snap. And we were we were on our own, what, 10-yard line or something like that? Um, uh-huh. So you, you can't really take a hit there and just go down because then you set them up in the red zone to score a touchdown. But you can't kick the ball with a guy right in front of your face either. So I don't know, like, what the right decision is there for him. I, I really don't. Um, but that's just a really unfortunate way to start the game. That, that was the first score of the game. I mean, if you're a betting man, Anytime uh, safety is the first score of the game, if you pick that, those are some pretty damn good odds. Um, and no one ever, no one ever yeah, bets right. that for that reason, right? It's not likely that that's the first score of a game. Um, so that one sucked. And then uh, the, the second one, Vasey just completely airmailed it. Um, I don't know if that was the rain. I don't, know if, I don't know what happened, but that thing just never had a shot. So I'm happy it went out of the end zone and it wasn't a touchdown uh, because we'd be having a very different conversation. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really the big blemish I think on this game, and and those two guys for for better or for worse, you guys are our lambs this week. Gilligan, Vasey, let's get together this week. All right. Um, so what we normally do here is we go through our good, our bad, and our ugly. Uh, since we are doing an action-packed episode here, and we're going to do the Michigan preview as well, uh, we're going to do just good and bad. I don't think there's a whole lot of ugly. If there is, we'll tie it into the bad. Um, but let's start with the good. And I, and I think there's a lot to highlight from this game. So um, we already talked about Trace. That was my first one, just absolute warrior. Um, he was at practice today wearing a knee brace. Uh, him and Franklin both are kind of keeping that close to the vest. They're not going to say anything. 
Um, it was kind of funny in, in the press conference earlier today after practice, one of the reporters asked, asked Franklin about it. And he's like, why do you guys waste questions on this? You know, I'm not going to say anything. He's like, it's not just because I don't want to, but Michigan watches this. I'm not going to give them anything that they don't need to know. And it was, it's kind of one of those moments. It's like, yeah, of course, as fans, we all want to know what's going on, but I kind of get it. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's absolutely right. right. No, he's right. So, I mean, that was my first good, which is Trace being a warrior, um, you know, leading, leading us when we needed to, supporting Tommy, being, being the guy that we, we all know he is. And, and I, I just thought that was a huge takeaway. Um, what, other, what other goods you got for this Iowa game? Um, just us gutting out a win in a close game against a tough opponent something you haven't necessarily seen us do a lot under Franklin. Uh, you know, that's been our big criticism. Can't we win the big ones, you know, when we lead late in games? And we, we pulled it off. And hopefully this is something that helps us. This type of win over a good opponent is something that helps us get over that pump. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, have, I have on the flip side of that, I do, have one, I do have one piece in my dad that I'll get to kind of on that same note. But, but to focus on the positives is, yeah, we, we scored towards the end when we needed to. Um, Nick Scott comes up with a huge interception on the goal line to, to kind of stunt that last drive, um, that Iowa had a chance of scoring. And I, I was, I was yelling at the TV, just let them score. Just let them score. Uh, kind of having flashbacks to last year, like, all right, they're going to have to score. And then we're going to have to march down and win this thing. in you know, the last seconds of the game again, um, but I mean, that was me just throwing out a classic reverse jinx, right? I, I say, let them score. And then of course we come up with an interception, <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. Nick Scott, man, it was it was a heads up play. Uh, no offense, the tight end was just not ready. If you look at that replay, uh, Stanley is kind of getting them to the line. No offense is like looking around. They hike the ball, and everyone else on Iowa moves except No offense. Stanley still tries yeah. still tries to force it to him, and Nick Scott just a super heads up play jumps it, takes it, and man, he slipped. If he stays on his feet, he has a good chance of taking that thing to the house. Um, it really and does. this is and that's another way that this score looks a lot closer than it is. Um, so my bad on that side is like after that we still ended up giving them one more shot at the very end of the game. Whereas, you know, there's only a couple minutes left. We we still struggle with kind of closing out that game. But to your point on the positivity, we won. We came away with a gutty win. We did not blow it at the last second, which has been a criticism. So yes, absolutely a positive. I also I like that we kind of held their tight ends in check. Yeah. You know, they both put up decent yards with 63 and 56, which, you know, for a tight end is, is a lot in college. Mm-hmm. But neither of them had touchdowns. And no offense, a touchdown machine so far this season. I think this is, might be his first game without a touchdown. It's definitely the first game where neither of them had a touchdown between him and Hawkinson. So I thought that was uh, – I, I said before this game, I thought we matched up well with that type of offense, that we could match up with tight ends. And uh, we did a great job keeping two really great players in check. Yeah, I got to give kudos to you on that because I I was a little more worried. And and my next good to call out is defense in general. Um, The only real miss we had was the fake field goal touchdown, which will haunt me and is, is, you know, something that I I still can't get over that we keep letting these fakes happen. But that was what a a kicker or a punter throwing to a D tackle and, I mean, it was just a raindrop throw. The dude made an incredible catch. I think we should have defended it, absolutely. I think there were two or three guys that could have made that play, and we just didn't. But outside of that, our defense only let up two field goals, right? The rest of the points are from the two safeties and a pick six. Um, So we we let up a fake field goal touchdown and two actual field goals. That's a pretty good defensive performance. Um, We held them rushing to only 135 yards. 
no passing touchdowns from their actual quarterback, um, and, and overall just a really good game. Um, something I, something I, uh, I, a stat I read that I thought was actually pretty interesting in in our defense. Do you know who currently leads our team in tackles? Um, I want to say Garrett Taylor, but I don't think not so. quite. It's it's Micah Parsons. Um, and nice. and what I think is super surprising about that is he has yet to actually start a game. Right, he's still in that rotational duty, um, kind of spelling Koa Farmer, and and he plays you know a good amount of snaps. But I just I, I'm starting to really enjoy this defense, and I think we're finding more and more of our identity. Um, there's still gaps, right? There's still gaps, absolutely. But I think I think our defensive line has come along so much um d tackle yes we're, we're still gonna have opportunity because we're so thin i am in love with our dns i say that every damn week um and, and our secondary is playing really really well um that leads me into my next one john reed had a phenomenal game for another week in a row yeah, he um, did. this dude and and you know what he is all the way all back. the way back i hope this is like i hope you know obviously none of them are actually listening to the show but i hope this is us putting out those vibes into the universe we talk shit on john reed guess what the man is playing on a mission we talk shit about Pinninger. He goes three for three. Um, so John Reed had a, had a really great game. Uh, I wouldn't say we. I wouldn't say we talk shit about no. John Reed. We just said he needed to play yeah. better. We said he was capable of playing better. Yeah, than and I say I say talk shit lovingly. You know what I mean. But um, he had a really good game. Uh, he was playing really well. He had two or three passes uh, defended, deflected, and then he had a big interception of his own um, that he damn near ran back. Uh, he, he tried to dive in and got it punched out at you know the three or four yard line and. I believe that that up Tommy's rushing touchdown. Um, yeah. So yeah, just really good to see him back. Um, Amani is still playing super well. I think he might've led the team in tackles in this particular game. Um, I, I see more and more about Amani Oruwarie, uh being a first round draft pick in all of these mocks. And I know that's super, super early, but I just, I love the spotlight that, you know, is being put on our secondary. Every, every preview, Hell every yeah. preview that I read for each game talks about how our secondary has been, very solid. Um, and, and I just think that's really cool. And I lied. Imani definitely did not lead this game in tackles. He had six. He had six. No, it was Eater. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think Reed had a great game. I, I think the secondary in general, like you said, didn't let up any big plays to the tight ends, didn't let up any, you know, major crazy passing plays in general, really. Um, so yeah, I think, I think our defense had a really good game. And then how about KJ Hamler? Yeah. With being our leading receiver and just electric on kick returns, this kid can't do enough. It seems like and every time you turn around, it, it, he's just doing something else for this team. He's been just the most amazing surprise so far this season, and it, I just—you gotta love everything about him. Yeah, absolutely. Five receptions for ninety-six yards. He had the one kickoff return he took at like sixty-five something, sixty-seven yards. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's absolutely electric, and and. I think that's going to be a, one of the keys to this Michigan game that we'll get to at the end of this episode. It's just finding ways to get him involved because he, he's really the only one doing it. And, and one of my other goods, because we're just going to keep rolling through this, I thought DeAndre Tompkins finally had a great game. Um, yeah. Five catches for 59 yards, and he had some big moments where we needed a catch, and, and he was there. I think there was only one drop, if I remember. He had one early on that kind of he just wasn't mm-hmm. expecting, which – Still blows my mind that receivers like are not. Ex- you should always be expecting the ball if you're running a route. Um, but it was good to see him bounce back. Five receptions, I think, is is more than he's had, or as much as he's had than the entire season. You know, there was a stretch where he went three or four games without a reception. Um, so really, really awesome to see that. 
receiving in general, I thought I thought it was a good day, given the situations, given that the weather. I thought I thought it was the best performance we've had yeah. this year, given. Given yeah, the, the weather was just disgusting. Um, you know, Trace gets hurt. So when Tommy comes in, yeah, yeah they're going to let him throw, but they only let him throw it four times. You know, they, they were going to run with him and they were going to dictate the tempo that way. Um, but you look at our receivers, KJ had five for 96. DeAndre had five for 59. Uh, young blood Jahan Dotson had two for 21. One of them coming on a, on a I believe, a fourth down conversion or a third down conversion, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty timely. And then Fryer moved with the, the one catch, but it was for the touchdown. It traces one touchdown uh, pass. So only sure. four guys caught balls, which I think could be concerning. But again, when the, when the game flow is dictating run the ball and, and play defense, like our, our guys came through when we needed them to. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, let's see what else for good. The, la- the last thing I have for good is, is Tommy Stevens. Um, they, you know, there's, there's a lot of Penn state fans out there. There's, there's a couple that, uh, that I am close friends with that, that clamor for Tommy that say he's better than trace and we should be playing him right now. And I can, I can see arguments for it, but no, it's not going to happen. Like the, the dude will have his time next year. This is trace's time, but anytime he comes in, he seems to make the most of his opportunities. And, and he did just that. I mean, passing the stats aren't going to light you up two for four for 27 yards. Um, but he had, you know, the one rushing touchdown. He had five rushes total for 18 yards. And he just, he, he needed, or he did what we needed him to do. And, and I, I, I think that is just such a good glimpse for what's to come, that when this guy is the full-time starting QB, he's going to get it done. Agreed. Yeah, but uh, there's no way we should be seeing him as a no. starter. Tell us they have to calm down. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's you know that's the the hot take chamber of man if we were just starting Tommy and we need Tommy time and you know we we can laugh about it all we want. I think we need more time I, in time, the lion but... version, right? We need him. We need him on the yes. field and doing some of those cool fun things, but it's it's got to be you know with Trace. So um, exactly, yeah, a lot of good in this game. I, I I think that covers most of it. I think we covered all aspects here. Um, a lot a lot of good. So. Let's flip. Let's flip with that to the the bad slash ugly, and and there is some, right? It's again, it's a six point win. Um, you know, depending on where you caught this line, if you're a gambling man, if you caught it at four, you're happy and you won. If you caught it at six, it's a push. You'll probably still take it. Uh, the over of fifty two hits pretty easy, but there are some things we need to work on. So, uh, what's your what's the first thing in your bad slash ugly category? Um. I mean, even though we scored 30 points, it just didn't seem like the offense was really clicking. Yeah. Uh, there was just too many drives that didn't seem to go anywhere. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to see a lot more varied play calling. I, like I said, I would like to see more Tommy time. I'd like to see more in the Lion, especially when our offense really isn't looking, like, incredible. To throw another wrinkle out there that a team has to defend against, to kind of switch things up, I think is important. You're just not seeing enough of it from Ricky Ronnie. Yet. Yeah. And I think that's a fair point. And that's what we, you know, we try not to do on this show is we, we try not to like just play both sides of it. Right. We, we can't sit here and say, well, yeah, the, the receivers were great and trace was great. And then we talk about the offense not being good, but, but what, what we mean by that and what you mean by that is like, yeah, for, for as many nice drives and nice plays as there were, this could have been a 40, 45 point, you know, game that we're scoring and it's it is it's the drives that stall out and the three and outs and just the the ugly times where we need to be able to control the clock and and move the ball and we haven't been able to and we need some of those electric plays like trace taking off for 51 after a gruesome knee injury to kind of 
save us. And that's just, that's not a formula for success. So I agree. And, and the stat that I've been calling out for many, many weeks now is our, is our third down efficiency. And that kind of ties into what you're talking about here. Um, so I did some digging and I looked it up and it's, it's funny when you look at like college football stats, cause there's like a couple different databases and they all have slightly different numbers. Um, but what I found is Penn state's third down efficiency this year is around 36%. Um, and we talked about how, you know, no team is really over 50, 60. That's just insane. But 36% puts us at about a hundredth in the country. Um, that's not great. Uh, and, and at first glance, I, I kind of thought, okay, well, listen, thir- you know, percentages are going to be margins. If we're at 36%, maybe the next one is at 36.1, 36.2. And maybe that's why we're so far down. Um, and that's part of the case. But if you go up to the top 20 teams, they're all 45% or higher um, in third down conversions, not, not top 20 rankings. I'm talking about the top 20 in third down conversions. That's a game changer. Um, being able to convert on almost half as opposed to a third is, is, is exactly what you're talking about. It's extending drives. It's controlling the clock. It's keeping the ball. It's, Hey, you know what? Getting three instead of punting. Those are the things that change a game that I don't think we've been able to do yet. Yeah, and I just I think a lot of it comes down to I, the one thing it comes down to a lot of weeks are drops, mm-hmm. but also I I just don't think I haven't seen Ricky Ronnie get like creative enough with the playbook yet. I think we we tend to get a little predictable. You know, it's not even that we're calling like bad plays. So I don't think that's the case. I think sometimes we just get predictable. Yeah, I, I and I think that's fair. And and looking at the same third down efficiency stat, you look at some of the top teams. Number one is Alabama because fuck they're number one at everything but they're converting this year at 56 percent um i mean that's just incredible uh some of the other ones and you'll get some of the smaller schools up here boise state army central florida la lafayette is all uh above 50 but in that in that top 20 ohio state 49 percent oklahoma 48 percent georgia 48 percent michigan and iowa both at 47 ish it's like I said, a 10% difference is, is a make or break in a close game. And I think that's something that we really need to work on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. The next one that I have, and, and um, this one seems to be a trend, I think more on the defensive side of the ball, but obviously we've struggled on the offensive side of the ball, but it's fumbles, uh, fumbles in general. So the one we had on offense this game came in the red zone. So again, it seems like when we have these things happen, they come at the worst spots. Um, but it was, it was kind of a, it almost looked like a botched handoff between trace and miles um, where we probably were, where we were going to uh, punch it in, but, and it was, but what would concern me is when I, when I went back and watched it, KJ is kind of sweeping in from the side. I almost wonder if they had some confusion on what the play was supposed to be or if it just got too clustered in there and, you know, and, and miles took ownership for it. And he said, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta take that and, you know, put the ball in my hands. I can't drop it, but it just, it looked like there was some confusion. So I don't, I don't know what happened with that one, but again, we're basically in the red zone, if not in the red zone at that point, looking to get at least three, if not seven, you, you just can't turn the ball over there. Um, and then the other side of it is, is something that you and I were talking about during the game is these defensive fumbles that we're causing but not recovering. God, we, we, we haven't recovered a fumble in like three years. It feels like <laughs> watching this game. Yep. Yep. And cause it, it, 
there's these huge moments where you feel like the, the momentum could shift and the tide could change. You're like, oh my God, they, we just got them to put the ball on the ground. We're, we're going to recover it and think, you know, things are going to start really, really going our way. And then it's just their ball still. Yep. It's, it's a, such a momentum killer. So I think we had three of them in this game that they fumbled that we did not pick up, um, at least two. So the one early on was the tight end, Hawkinson, made, made a nice catch, uh, then comes down and punches it down. And we have two guys there, and it looked like they almost kind of bumped into each other and, and couldn't do it. Uh, and then one of their running backs put one on the ball, too. And we had guys in the area, but they, they came up with it. So, um, again, did some digging, found some stats on this. This one is uh, from, from my favorite writer, Audrey Snyder, over at The Athletic. Uh, on the season, we have forced 18 fumbles. Guess how many we've recovered out of those 18? Six. Four. Four. You were close. I'll give you. I'll give you some credit there. That was pretty close. Um, but that's that's brutal. And and I, I don't think all of that is like on us and on technique and on you know ability. Like sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way, right? And that's that's luck. But it's a trend of it. That seems to be like our our mo this season. The ball never seems to exactly. And that's that's what I mean. Is it's just, it's a trend that's concerning. If you compare to last year, last year we forced twenty. We recovered fifteen. Um, that's a 70, 75% recovery rate. That's game changer, right? The, the game is won and lost on turnovers. The game is won and lost on being able to kick the field goals when you need to, right? There's, there's so many little things that go into a game. You're forcing 18 turnovers and you're only recovering four. That's, that's just a huge momentum killer. So, um, yeah, for me, this game fumbles on both sides of the ball were, were bad and, and could have led to worse things than they did. Agreed. Um, what else you got for bad? Anything else in the bad section? Um, as much as we love him, Trace just didn't look like he was quite there as a passer this week. Uh, he was in really instrumental with those huge runs. And, you know, he had one touchdown. He had that bad pick six. Only went 11 for 25 for 167 yards. You know, and he in tough conditions, obviously. Never makes it easier but he just didn't seem very crisp in the passing game today. I mean, this weekend. Yeah. And I think, I think that's fair too. And, and again, I'm, I'm a trace, you know, super supporter. So I, I try to stay as unbiased as I can. And, and you're right. Like the pick six was, was ugly. It was really, really ugly. And it came at a bad time. Um, I, I think, I think the conditions suck. Yes. Some of the receiver issues suck. Yes. But for me too, it was like after the injury, it just, it didn't look like he was himself. Um, it didn't look like he was kind of moving in the pocket like he normally does. He wasn't really putting a lot of weight into his leg when he was throwing like he normally does. It seemed like he was having trouble pushing off his back foot yeah. and getting as much zip as he usually yep, does. Yep, exactly, which is why it was so surprising to see him take off on that 51-yarder. Um, and, I mean, he, he even, like, kudos to him for running that through because I'm sure he was in some pain. Um, but I know, he's just such a... But he was, like, grimacing. You could see, like, after he finished that run, he wasn't he wasn't in great shape, so... I agree. It just, it wasn't his best game. And, and that's one of those things like after the pick six, if they would have like swapped in Tommy for the rest of the game, I would have understood it. Like, I don't know if I would have been happy about it, but it would have been one of those like, Hey, Trace, you tried, you gave it your best. You're not yourself. We're going to let Tommy finish this one, get better. And you'll be back next week. I think, and I think most people would have understood that. Um, like if they took him out completely and, and they had some sort of rotation, but they didn't take him out completely at that point. Um, but I agree, not his best game. And, and you know, we, we've seen that, right? We've seen, like, his passing stats are not good this year at all, really. Um, I think for me, it still comes down just to, like, his ability to 
change the game to affect the ground game. I mean, he's got what six, seven hundred yards on the ground this year. I mean, that's yeah, that's I mean, an RB two. He's been a better playmaker than he has been. A yes, passer. exactly, and and that's where when we get into the conversation of um, you know NFL and and what's his projection in the NFL, like. I still stand by the fact that he will get drafted. It won't be in the first round. It won't be in the second round. It won't be maybe in the third. Like, he'll be a late draft pick in my eyes. Um, some team will take a chance on him and find a way to use him, if not for nothing more than, like, a scout team or something like that. But he's just not a prolific passer. And, and I think I think that speaks to, you know, some of the losses that we've had is and, – and people said, like, we're going to miss – Deshaun and we're going to miss Mike Isiki. And I think all of those people just elevated Trace so much. Um, I mean, you look at this season, his completion percentage is 53% compared to almost 67 last year. That's a huge drop-off. Yeah. So, it's been a tough season. Yeah, for, and his receivers have done given him very little yeah, help, and, both in terms of drops and trouble separating. Right, and that's the thing. But like, I'm not, I'm not putting... He just, he hasn't, he hasn't been... You know, just quite as good as a passer as we want him to. Right, and, and that's that's what I want to end this with is because I, I, I realize I'm playing both sides of the coin here. I'm not trying to say it's the receivers or anyone else. Like, yes, that's all factors, but I agree with you. This has not been his best season, right? We we've seen his best. We know what he's capable of, and it just hasn't been this, there this year. And and that's okay because we're still winning games for the most part, right? We have two ugly losses, but it, it's not killing us. It's just it's it's tough because we know we know what he can do and, and this wasn't his best game. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, the uh, the only other ones I have here, I talked about the fake play already. Um, again, it was that that dude. I mean, he's a D tackle. I think they said he played tight end in, in high school or some shit. Like it was, I mean, it was a raindrop, rainbow, whatever the hell you want to call it. Just perfect pass where the guy literally looked it in over his shoulder and, and fell into the end zone with it. It was a really nice catch. But for me, it's – I mean, they, they're trying to trick you with the funky formations. You know something's coming. Um, Shaka Tony had a chance on it. He, he jumped just way too early, and the ball went over his head. Like, if he took a step or two back and waited for it to come, high-pointed it like a basketball player, I think he would have intercepted it. Um, I think Jan Johnson was the one who actually made the hit, um, but, again, wasn't in position to do it. And we, we just looked confused out there. And I, I talked about this last week with – you know, we've had fakes run against us. We've had onside kicks run against us. Like, I, I know you can't be prepared for everything, but it's a trend at this point. And it's something that worries me because, again, in the big games, like, that's a make or break. Is something where you're supposed to hold this team to three, and boom, they just pulled, you know, the wool over your eyes, and they got seven out of it. That's that's a huge swing in my eyes. Yeah, it seems like now it's going to become something where teams are looking to do it to mm-hmm. us. And that's really what worries yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Um we talked about closing out uh, again. Great read by Nick Scott to end the game. I just I wish we would have been able to kind of put the nail in the coffin there and not even give them that last drive. I mean, the the last play of the game they threw it out to a big boy and and yeah we we got him down. But dude was dude was running for a little bit. Like it was it was still a hold your breath. You know, last play, last series. Oh like, yeah. We, we've got to find a way to to finish those. But like you said, hey, it was a big game. It was a ranked team. It was at home. It was ugly, but we won. Um, and then the last one for me is, is timely penalties. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about how the penalties have hurt us this year, and it's it's because when they happen. So there was a fourth and one, and Sharif Miller jumped off sides. Like, y- you have to have more oh. discipline on that. Um, yeah. There was a, a time where we held him in the red zone. I think it was a third down where we were about to stop him, and it was going to be fourth. Rob Windsor gets called for a face mask. Um, 
and he made up for it, right? We, we, you know, he pressured Stanley to, and they held them to a field goal on that drive. So it didn't turn into, you know, anything more than it might have, but it just seems like anytime we get the momentum going, there's some sort of like stupid penalty that just doesn't need to happen. And we end up, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of indicative of kind of our identity. So thus far as a team, this season of being, a very good team, but not yet a great team, not yet an elite team. That's one of those things, you know, the great teams, the elite teams don't do is, you know, rack up 50 to 100 yards in penalties. Yeah, game. exactly. And, and again, if you, if you are having penalties, they come, you know, on a first and 10 and you get a holding or they, they come at a time where, OK, just something something went wrong. Like those critical moments, like we just we have to be a little bit more disciplined. So, um all in all, that's, that's all I got for the bad or ugly. Anything else to add there? No, I said we move right Absolutely. So, like I said, good game. We move to 6-2. and two. We get a win over, over a good Iowa team. Like, I, I, I stand by that. They're a good Big Ten team, and that's a good win. So, we move into the second game of our, quote-unquote, brutal three-game stretch with uh, the way Wisconsin's playing. I don't know if you can count that as brutal anymore. Um, but Michigan, Michigan is uh, – for, for however you want to take it, a very good team this year. They, uh, the college football playoff rankings, first edition came out this week. They are ranked the number five team, uh, whether you believe they deserve that or not. doesn't quite matter right now because that's what they're ranked. And Hard to say. Yeah, well. and we are, we are number 14. So um, this is a big you know top 15 showdown, a lot of college football playoff implications. Um, we are looking to play the role of spoiler here, right? We know we don't have a shot to get in, but beating Michigan um, probably knocks them out of contention. It would be their second loss on the season. Uh, so, so looking at their team, they lost opening weekend to a close game uh, to Notre Dame. They have beat Wisconsin and Michigan state in the last two, um, which is kind of their, you know, track record, if you will, right now. Um, I don't know. I, the, the eye test for me, like, yeah, they've, they've been winning. They've, they've been doing better. Uh, they beat up on Western Michigan, uh, Southern SMU, Southern Methodist, maybe. Um, beat up mm-hmm. on Nebraska. They beat Northwestern in a tight one, 20 to 17. Um, but as we've seen, Northwestern just beat Wisconsin. So you look, you know, you do that whole circle of death of this team, but beat this team, Had but this team beat this team. Coach, you know? Yeah. So that was a close one. Uh, they beat up on Maryland. They beat up on Wisconsin, which we know again, Wisconsin's having a tough year. And then most recently they beat Michigan state 21 to seven. So they are seven and one, um, we are we are their last big test before Ohio State. They have us, they have Rutgers, Indiana, and they finish the season at Ohio State. So this is a big game for them. If they want any chance of getting into the playoff, they have to win this game. Um, otherwise, the Ohio State game really won't matter as much. Um, and and this is this is one that kind of pisses me off. There, some of them are calling it like a revenge game. I don't know if you saw uh, there was an article. Lavert Hill, he's a corner for Michigan, mm-hmm. one time Penn State commit. Um, Michigan yep. guy, we kind of, he was one that we knew was probably going to flip. Um, I always had like a lot of respect for him and liked him as a player. And then after we, we beat down on them last year, he was like, he was the one after the game flipping off like the stands and the players. Um, and, and his yep. quote was like, uh, they, meaning Penn State, like they disrespected us. So it's personal. Dude, how the fuck do we disrespect you? We beat you. That's football. Like, grow up. <laughs> yeah, this kid's a clown. Yes. And that's what, like, I, I kind of hate this Michigan team, you know, and on top of how much you always already hate Michigan, they just seem like such douchey clowns, mm-hmm. you know, tearing up the logo, 
flipping off the crowd last season, then saying we disrespected them. Like, ugh, they're just the kind of people you fucking yeah, hate. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and if we need any sort of bulletin board material, um, the current line is Michigan minus <laughs> 10 and a half. This is one of our largest uh, well, largest point spreads that we are an underdog in, in quite some time. I don't have the exact stat, but we are 10 and a half point underdogs. If you want to talk about disrespect, I mean, listen, I know we haven't had the best of the year, but 10 and a half, woo, that's just a little crazy to me. Over-under is currently at 52. Um, so let's get into, into kind of you know, what, we, what we see from this Michigan team, what we think we need to do. Uh, I'll give one stat that I read in uh, the Athletics Open Forum. This is something that I really like that the Athletic does. Audrey Snyder, who's our Penn State writer, uh, pairs up with a writer from the other school, and they do like an open forum where people are asking questions and, and they kind of both give their opinions on it, which is pretty cool. And one person from Michigan asked, uh, how has Michigan done coming off a bye? Because they are coming off a bye this week. Um, and their last three years. So last year, 2017, they lost 14 to 10 to Michigan State. The year before that, uh, 2016, they had a big win, 41 to 8, but over Illinois. Uh, and the year before that, 2015, they had a small, small win, 29-26 over Minnesota. So I don't know if you can read a whole lot into that, but I think I think the I point really... is I, I don't think you <laughs> can either. But I, but I, but I want to share it because I, I think the point is teams coming off a of bye are typically one or two things: they're well rested, they're well prepared, and they just come out crushing you, or they come out flat, kind of like what we did with Michigan State. So um, yeah, I, maybe I just wasted a minute of our time giving out those those uh, scores, but they are coming well, off. I a think bye. it was good that that you let our, all our listeners and fans know. That we can't read into. Yes, yeah, see that's that we've yes. that we've thought that we've thought about this angle and and it's not. Listen, I sift through the junk so that you guys don't have to. That's what I'm here for. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a great service. Yep, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so Michigan, like I said, I, I I really really dislike them, but they're having a pretty solid year. You you lose once in the beginning, and, and this goes back to just sort of the the adage with the college football playoff is like you can overcome early losses. It's almost better to lose week one and then just ball out from there on. And that's what they've done. Um, hundred percent of those. And, and their, their game is a, we talked about this with what we thought Iowa was going to be. Their run game is strong. Their defense is strong. Um, mm-hmm. So looking at their run game, their, their top running back, uh, let me pull up his name. I probably should have had this already. Um, but the dude, the dude is averaging 5.4 yards per carry. He's got six straight games with 100 yards plus and six touchdowns on the season. His name is Karan Higgin. Um, that's pretty good stats. Uh, the, the touchdown number, you know, six doesn't doesn't blow me out of the water, but 5.4 a carry and, and six straight with 100 yards. When we have in certain times struggled against the run, that's something I need. I need our team to be looking out for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, and the, the, what worries me is that the run game is not our specialty. It really isn't. I think we've got a good pass defense, but I think at times we really struggle against the run. And if they're able to set that up, that could spell some very – that could be a very long day for Penn State defense. Yeah, and, and that's what I struggle with is, you know, there have been those games where we just are god-awful against the run, right? Uh, Illinois chewed us up for a while. Uh but then there are games like Ohio State, we held them in check for most of the game. This game against Iowa, where we talked about, hey, they've got like three-headed monster. We held them to 135 yards. Like, that's not crazy. Um, 
you know, so there are times where our run D looks really good. Um, but I think for me with this Michigan team, you've got this dude, Karan, and then the two guys beneath him, True Wilson and Chris Evans, um, both in limited fashion, 36 carries, 38 carries on the season compared to uh, number one guys, 150. So they're, they're change of pace guys, but they're averaging 5.1 and six yards. Um, so, so this team is able to move the chains by running the ball. Uh, and like you said, we have shown at times, probably more often than not, that that can be a big weakness for us. So our D-line, our front seven, even our, our linebackers are going to have to have a game where, hey, man, like let our, let, our, let our secondary do what they do and commit to slowing down that run um, because it's going to have to happen. Like you need to force Shea Patterson to throw. And, and he's gotten a lot better over the season. He was, uh, he was one of my Big Ten bozos early on. Um, he's gotten a lot better. He's completing 60, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. Yep. It's 67% completion rate. Like he's having a, he's having a, uh, he, he's finally getting to what they thought they were getting from him when he transferred from Ole Miss, I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. So I think what we need to do is force that hand, right? Shut down the run or limit the run, make him go up against our strength. Our, our strength is our secondary and, and Hey, you know, good versus good. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's – you hit the nail right on the head there. We have to make them try and beat us with the pass, just like we did last week with Iowa, where, you know, we – also partially because we pulled ahead and we made Nate Stanley have to pass. And then because he wasn't passing, well, that helped us immensely to shut down the run. That's what we got to do here. We have to force him not to pass well early. And then we stack the box, we limit the run, and hopefully we're in his head and we keep, it, we keep that pass game contained. Yeah, and that's – God, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What really worries me in this game is I, th- I think Michigan just matches up tremendously against us, like for them, in terms of like what we're good at and what they're good at. They have a very strong run game. We have a questionable run defense at times. They have a very strong run defense. We have trouble with our offense when we can't establish the run early. These are things that really, really worry me. Yeah, I think I think it's a fair call out. Um, their their defense is is what uh, kind of I have my eye on. They're allowing only 122 pass yards per game and 97 rush yards per game. Um, I think and less I think, than three yards a rush. Yeah, and I think we go over that right. Like 122 is not a lot of pass yards, even with a good defense. I think our guys can can do that. 97. Like, Miles didn't have his best game against Iowa, but, I mean, he still was effective. He had 67 yards, and then, obviously, Trace throws in his own, you know, 60-something. I think he had 62 and 63 they had. Um, but I agree. It is, a lot of it is kind of strength versus strength. Like you said, if we look at um, – and, and even to take it one step further, I'm looking at oddshark.com, which is one of the betting sites I like. They let you kind of pivot around. This is a free ad. I don't know why I'm giving free ads. Um, they let you pivot even, like – Penn State road offense versus Michigan State home defense. Um, on the road, we're scoring 49 points. At home, Michigan is letting up 13. Um, on the road, we are passing for 208. At home, Michigan is letting up 112. Um, there's just, there's a lot of things that work in their favor. Um, and then opposite for us, too, like our road defense versus their home offense. On the road, we're only letting up 19 points. At home, they're putting up 46 a game. Um, like that, that's, that's tough to stop. That's a big gap, right? So like even if we meet in the middle, that's, you know, 
30 points that we're giving up. Um, they're rushing yards at home. They're rushing for 256 a game at home. Um, that's impressive. So it's going to, uh, 238. That is not good. Not good. Right. It's, it's those things where we're, when you look at kind of like you said, you know, what are the actual matchups? I, I, I hate reading into the stats too much, which is kind of a lie because I talk about stats all the time. Um, but uh, I'm a big believer that you can kind of make things look how you want to. But when you when you pick it out cut and dry like that, like, hey, our road defense versus their home offense and the numbers are right in front of you, it's a little worrisome. So I will – The one that worries me by far the most is the rushing yards they're putting up at home versus the rushing yards we're giving up on the road. Yeah. That really worries me because if they can establish the run like that early – we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And if they could do the opposite to us, you know, not let us establish the run, we always struggle when we're not running the ball strongly. Yeah, and that's that I think is is what the the worry part for me is is what's the tone of the game going to be? If they get up early and pull out to a 10-point lead, a 14-point lead, a 17-point lead, they can just start pounding the rock, right? And that dictates the game where they're doing what they want to do. And we're on the other side trying to throw the ball where we probably want to establish the run too. So I, I, I think it's yeah. – And you know Harbaugh is not going to have an issue running up the Oh, score. of course. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the last couple of games. So so the, our last 10 were actually 5-5 five and five against uh, against Michigan. Um, the last three, though, uh, they, they've got us 2-1. to one, But the last three have been kind of kind of blowouts, right? Last year we blew them out at, our, at home 42-13. Uh, to 13. Mm-hmm. The year before that, they blew us out at home, forty-nine to ten. The year before that, they beat us at home, twenty-eight sixteen. That was much closer. Um, so this game has has opportunity to be a blowout if if necessary. Um, but but for me, like again, ten and a half points for for what I know this team is capable of just seems insane. Like Michigan being the number five team in the country, and I know you have to respect it because that's what it is. It's just. I don't know. Like I, something tells me that we we are going to match up with them better than people expect. Like I think all of the pundits out there will take Michigan for the most part. Um, I think there'll be some that will pick us to, to to upset, but I just I don't know, man. I I'm not as worried as I should be. Like I was more worried for Iowa than I was for this game, and maybe maybe it's because the spread is so big, and I'm just like, eh, whatever. Um, but I'm not as worried for this one as I think I should be. No, I'm the opposite direction. I'm so much more worried about this one than Iowa. Um, you know, I, I, I always believe in our guys. I, I really believe that we're going to go out there and play well and, you know, finally kind of put it together and play our best ball and play clean, get the run game going early and get passing yards. But I would be absolutely lying to you if there's not a part of me that can see us losing this game by like 30 I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the naivety and the optimism in me. I just, if we lose and, and listen, I'm fully aware that that's possible. Like I, I know we can lose this game and I, I, I know Michigan is a good team. Like I said, I'm, I'm not discrediting that, but I just, I don't see it being more than like seven, 10 max, which is why that, that 10 and a half is so appealing to me. Um, I really hope we don't lose by 30 cause that'll be like soul crushing and like truly season ending. Like at this point we still have a shot at the new year six bowl, right? Like, it's an outside shot. We're going to be, you know, we're looking at one of those New Year's Day ones right now. I think a lot of them have us projected uh, the Citrus Bowl, which is not quite a New Year's Six, but still on New Year's Day. Um, mm-hmm. If we lose this game, that that changes that kind of scope of the outlook. So I think for me, before we get to score predictions here, the big keys to the game, uh, number one, will Trace be healthy? Um, him practicing today 
being in a brace. I, I don't know how much he practiced, but the fact that he is practicing, I think, is a good sign. I think it would take a lot for them to just outright start Tommy. I, I think if anything, they start Trace, see how it goes, and maybe they use some rotation. I think it would take a lot for them to say, yeah, Trace is just not even starting. Um, so I think that's big question number one. Thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, I, there, there can't be a bigger key to the game than the guy who's led us through the past, you know, four seasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's going to be there. Yep, so that's key number one. Key number two, we talked about D-line and secondary. Continue to do what you're doing, right? D-line, get pressure on that quarterback, muddy up those holes, and, and hopefully let our linebackers kind of shine where where we haven't slowed down that run. And, and secondary, man, make, make them beat you, right? They, they're, they don't have a – they don't have like a ton of prolific wide receivers right now. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones is the guy that came in like out of high school as like this, you know, top wide receiver. He's got six touchdowns, which is impressive, but only on 326 yards. Um, and he has a 79 yarder in there. Like they, they have three receivers at 300 yards a piece. And I don't think that's much different than ours, but, but what I'm saying is like, I don't think they have anyone crazy. That's going to just completely torch us. Um, Peoples Jones would be the one that I, that I would look out for. Um, but let the secondary do that, and, and we got to shut down that run. Um, key number three for me, establish with Miles and get creative downfield, like we talked about with KJ, with the receivers. I'm not saying you have to run sweeps and screens and all of that all the time, but we got away, got to get a way to get the ball to our guys in space um, and, and find ways to beat them there. Um, Miles in the passing game, he didn't have a reception at all uh, against Iowa after having, what, five or six against Indiana. Um, so I, I want to see some of that. Uh, and then the last one for me is no special teams blunders, right? We're, we're fresh, fresh off of this, of the, the two safeties on the punts, the fake play, a couple fake plays in the past. Just can't have any of that in this game. I, I want a clean special teams performance from start to finish. Um, so those are my Hankins keys to the game. Let's finish up with some predictions. Uh, hit, me, hit me with your score prediction. What do you see happening this weekend right. in Ann Arbor? I'm giving – I'm giving two predictions. I'm giving my prediction as a Penn State fan, and I'm giving my prediction as if I was just a college football fan. <laughs> I have a feeling I know how these two are going to go. Go for it. All right. Penn State football fan. The offense gets going. This becomes a real battle, and Penn State pulls it out 28-24. Okay. If I was just a college football pundit, I would say – Penn State's offense has looked sluggish at times. Um, the lack of creativity in the play calling, and we're not sure if Trace is healthy. Michigan wins it 24-17. Ooh, that hurts. Well, at least we covered the 10 and a half in that, in that scenario. Um. <laughs> but either way, I don't see Michigan scoring more than 20. Okay. Apparently. Yeah, no, that's hey. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I, I really, I'm very okay with that, actually. Um, so lucky for you and for the listeners, I am both a Penn State fan and a college football pundit. Um, nice. I wish, um, but no, I'm I'm biased in these. And, and here's the thing: like I, I'm very open with my bias. I'm not going to predict us to lose like a game. I'm never going to predict us to lose a game. It's just I I, I can't do it. Um, I don't have I just don't have it in my blood. Can't do it. Um, my prediction is 34-31. Penn State wins in a close one, kind of similar to your. Would you say 28-24 um, as a fan? Mm-hmm. I see it being a close game. Like there's a reason why we're 10 and a half point dogs, right? There, there are many signs that show we should not win this game. Um, if I am a betting man and I am, I think you absolutely take the 10 and a half. 
Uh, I like the over, but it's it's not my favorite play this week. And again, I've been cold. I hit. I finally hit one last week on the over. Thank God. Um, and pushed on the minus six. But but this week, I, I, I'm taking the plus ten and a half. Very easy. Um, depending on what the money line is, because on these games, money line is normally pretty damn big. Penn State will probably be a plus three hundred, plus four hundred at that point. Um, definitely throw some money on that. But I just I don't know. I've I've got a feeling. Um, and I was damn close on this Iowa one. I said 34-24, and it was 30-24. to 24. So my prediction is 34-31, Penn State gets a win. I love it. Um, the only reason I kind of disagree with you is our defense has let up a surprisingly low amount of points. And I think if we can limit the blunders, I, I, I think our defense can hold them to that 24. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I'll hit you with a couple of negative stats because I'll, I'll try to not be biased. And then we'll have to find a way to end this show positively. Um, but you look at some of the trends. Like I said, we are 5-5 five and five in our last 10 games against them. But our last eight games when playing on the road against Michigan, so in Ann Arbor, our last eight games, Penn State is 1-7. and seven. Not, not, not great, great. right? Uh, in six in six of the last eight games when playing in Ann Arbor, the total has gone under whatever the total is for that week. So every sign tells me not to bet what I'm going to bet, but I'm going to do it anyway. So um, to flip the positivity, like I said, I, I just I have blind confidence in this team. I have been burned before, but I don't care. Like, I believe in James Franklin. I believe in Trace McSorley. Hell, I believe in Tommy Stevens if it's Tommy. Like, I, I just think there's too much talent on this team for us to get completely blown out. I understand there's a possibility we can lose, but your boy's calling it 34-31. Penn State gets the upset, plays spoiler. But Michigan does not deserve to be in the college football playoff. I'm just going to say it outright. They don't deserve it. Like, if anyone's going to go from the Big Ten, and I hate even saying this out loud, it should be Ohio State. I don't care that they got crushed by Purdue. I think they're going to handle Michigan pretty well, too. Um, I don't think Michigan deserves to be there. I hope we play spoiler, and I hope we win this game. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck them. Uh, it is 1.59 a.m. Thursday morning, and Michigan still sucks. We are.